What up, Poopcast? Welcome to the Not Arnold podcasting trip. Um, even though there was an Arnold and there wasn't an Arnold, it, it was just really confusing because one day there wasn't and then the next day there was. Uh, it was like real eerie because like the first day that we were there, uh, you know, there was nobody. And then little by little, more and more spectator, spectators were allowed in. And that was a weird thing is nobody really knew what was going on. And then when, when we would run into a friend or something, uh, they would be like, pretty upset and then they'd also kind of be like well it sucks we don't have our booth and everything but it's kind of cool we get to watch the uh the strongman competition so it was it was a super weird vibe but um you know despite everything that had happened with the uh, cancellation and the not cancellation we decided to go ahead and uh you know still make the trip out to ohio and um we i'm so glad we did because we have a straight up murderers row of podcast guests um that we were able to record with and uh today we're actually going to start out with our boy jp price uh jp is an elite power lifter he's one of the very few humans on the on the planet that was able to walk out of over a thousand pounds for a squat uh just a super nice guy like he seriously lights up every single room that he's in um today we or sorry not today on this podcast you know we talked about the arnold being weird uh we talked about his squat we talked about him hurting his back and uh more so now um what is fo- what he's focusing on, which is uh, his new gym, and one one uh, you know constant thing throughout all the uh, all the guests that we have is everybody was able to focus on one thing and they were able to pivot out of it. You know, so JP was he was f- so focused on being one of the uh, strongest powerlifters on the planet, he took that, pivoted, and opened up his new his uh, his very own gym, which is really cool. So we talked a lot about that. Um, whole bunch of fun hanging out with JP. Make sure you guys stay to the very end because uh, he thought he had a pimple that turned out to be a hemorrhoid and he discussed what happened with that. And unfortunately, slash you're welcome, he had a really bad case of MRSA in, uh, yeah, in kind of a bad spot. Uh, huge shout out to Icon Meals. They, they fed us throughout this whole trip. Um, I don't know if you guys are following us on Instagram, but uh, if you're not, please do so now. Um yeah, uh, our boy Todd Abrams, the, uh, the the owner of Icon Meals, just shipped us out a, a bunch of meals to our Airbnb. So even though Mark wasn't partaking, because all he did was he just fasted the entire time, and then you know at night he ate a big old steak. But in Sema and myself and uh, Smokey and Jessica Smith, we all were were just devouring these Icon meals. So without them, it would have been a uh, a really really hungry trip because we don't have much time on these trips to really stop and eat because we're all just working our faces off. So thank you, Todd Abrams. Thank you, Icon Meals. If you guys want to take advantage of our 10% off code, head over to iconmeals.com right now at checkout, enter promo code POWERPROJECT, and you get 10% off. Um, I highly recommend anything brisket, uh, especially the grilled cheese brisket sandwich. That thing was incredible. Also, it was really, really cool seeing uh, a Piedmontese banner down at the expo. Uh, Again, a bummer that the expo didn't happen because we had a lot of plans set up with uh, Piedmontese at their booth. It didn't work out, but it was really cool just seeing that they were going to be a part of it. So, you know, maybe next year or, you know, who, who knows, uh, at the next big uh, big expo, there'll be a, another big part of it as well. You guys know it's the absolute best beef on the planet. It's got more more protein, less fat, cooks faster, tastes better. Uh, I, I I don't even want to say it's the best beef on the planet anymore. I'd say it's the best beef in the universe. Um, it's kind of like uh, one of those things where it's like, okay, we went from a Nokia to an iPhone. How did that happen? It's probably some extraterrestrial, you know, uh, technology up in that. That's kind of how I feel about these cows from uh, certified Piedmontese. 
head over to piedmontese.com. That's P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com at checkout. Enter promo code POWERPROJECT for 25% off your order. And if your order is $99 or more, you get free two-day shipping. All right, that's it for me. I hope you guys enjoy this episode with our boy, J.P. Price. Uh, if you dig what he's saying, uh, please find his uh, his social media links down in the uh, YouTube description and or the uh, iTunes show notes. And uh, hit him up and tell him what you thought. We'll catch you guys later. All right, Mr. J.P. Price, can you pick up a microphone over there? Check. Have I, do I have the right information, but are, are you going to sing for us today? Does somebody I mean, tell me? I can. Yeah. Well, well, I'm the first interview of the day, so we could do the national anthem. Oh, okay. That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> might, it might trigger some people, though. <laughs> people are triggered by everything nowadays, right? Apparently. That's why I don't watch the news or say anything publicly ever. <laughs> what do you think about this uh, coronavirus going on? Uh, I mean, I'm a little bit salty about it at the moment as it's affected all of us. So, yeah. Um, what like? Do you think it's like? Are you actually concerned about it at all? No. Or do you think it's no? I, I live in Kansas blown. City. We don't believe in those kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Sacramento where the moms are scared of everything, <laughs> getting blown blown out of proportion. Yeah, the PTA moms are running everything. <laughs> I mean, I for sure thought Ohio would be a little hardier than this. <laughs> but uh, you know, I thought it was funny. I saw something yesterday, and they were talking about how uh, well it's, it's perfectly fine for twenty thousand people to be at a hockey game today. But it's not okay for us to be in a room with a bunch of people that are really, really worried about their health. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, do you, do you guys think it's because, like, uh, actually, Chris Griffin was on that. He brought this up. He's like, if it was anybody else, not Arnold, this is almost like a power play for him too to be like, hey, like all this money that I'm about to make, it's not worth it because you guys are more important than me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I'm like, well, I guess it's, when you put it's it that really, way. really cool in 2020 to take the moral high ground and be a white knight. You know, and, you know, I'm just not obsessed with that notion, but a lot of people really, really are right now. And, uh, you know, I think that's what the government tends to do because uh, the people who are the loudest, even if they aren't the majority, are the ones that they're trying to appease. Yeah, I wonder, like, if it was really that big of an alert, like, wouldn't they, you know, wouldn't somebody come forward on TV and have some sort of announcement like, hey, no one can leave their house type of deal? You know, we're not really hearing anything like that. You know, uh, I mean, are we just going to? fucking cancel everything yeah, and not, yeah, do, right, not right. leave our houses or we're right. going to be little scared cowards all day and so i thought that they had an opportunity with all the people they had scheduled to be here and health screen people and screen the athletes they said they had 88 nurses ready i thought they had an opportunity to set a precedent for how well they could do this uh, instead of just being cowards about it maybe but, educate further so people yeah. have knowledge of what they could do potentially well i mean let's let's be real honest about what happened is the companies that spent thousands of dollars to be here yours included and the people who spent thousands of dollars to be here, you know, me included, um, didn't deserve to find that out two days before it happened. I already had athletes here. They drove up the day that they announced that. And I'm like, well, what are these girls going to do? I mean, just, Oh, fuck myself. Like I just spent this money. I just worked for this many months and granted now they get to compete, but, and then they did it so quickly and so last minute that then since then every communication since that's been incredibly confusing. Right. Yeah. No one, no one knows what the hell's going on. Oh, people can go there. People can't go there. What about public assembly? What about, we told you you can't like, you know, it's getting to that point where it's like, okay, let's, let's not, you know, regulate our, our inherent freedoms that we're supposed right, to right. be allowed to have. And then earlier you said that the uh, the people that had stuff shipped here are going to get like 5% back or something like that? Yeah, don't quote me on it because I don't want to say it wrong, but right. the email that they got, like uh, basically it said, hey, you know, it, 
the labor that takes care of that, as you guys have experienced in your experiences coming here, mm-hmm. it's all union labor. Right. And uh, so there's certain rules and things you can't get around, and they're not going to not get paid. And so uh, from, from what I was told in the email that I saw that you guys probably saw too was, uh, you know, that the people that had all their stuff here that were stuck – um, we're going to get like maybe a 5% credit to send it back home. Jeez. And, uh, you know, I've talked to some of the small business owners and everybody's had a great attitude about it, but it no doubt buried some people. Um, and it's going to be really challenging for them to come back from. I mean, I know companies that make well more than 10% of their yearly income in yeah. three days here. What you been up to lately? Uh, so uh, about 3.30. Like, I think, I, think la- <laughs> I mean, I think last time we spoke, you were kind of uh, – you were you were you were coming off of an injury and you were trying to like rehab back and and get back into powerlifting and i think since that time it's been it's been a struggle to try mm-hmm. to get back into powerlifting where are you yeah. at now so i mean life's been really busy in general and uh, maybe this has been an opportunity to focus on some things that matter a lot more um because wait what you know <laughs> powerlifting and you know being able to do the sport like that doesn't necessarily matter to me that much but uh, being able to do what I want to do matters. It's hard not to get you know? lost in it and have it be your identity, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I've always, you know, thought and my identity's always been everything else. You know, I just happen to be good at that too. And uh, so, you know, whether it's owning the gym or coaching people or, you know, being a you know dad, then all those things have been more of my identity, I think, than being a good lifter. And uh, that's know. just maybe how some internet pe- people know you on the internet yeah, sure. from that. Yeah, sure. And then, uh, so the way that, you know, that's been going for me now, I had hip surgery a year ago last month and, uh, that's what they do to your hip Arnold last year, they, you know, cleaned it up and, mm. uh, fixed the labrum, you know, but the problem here with the labrum tear thing is, you mean two out of three, you guys probably have a torn labrum, right? I guarantee yep. you do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't want to get checked. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. It's the best way not to be HIV positive. You're right. Don't get tested. Um, <laughs> I'm positive. The results will be negative <laughs> either way. <laughs> um, so, uh, basically, you know, for me, uh, getting the hip surgery, it was a big deal. Cause I've never really had surgery before. I've never been hurt before mm. ever like hurt, but not injured ever my whole athletic career. And so, uh, for me, the hip thing I thought would make everything better. Well, a few weeks into rehab and I rehabbed with uh, squat university, Aaron Horshig, and uh, he's a really exceptional physical therapist and he's actually local to where I live and he just recently moved. Oh. Um, so, uh, we've worked together for a couple of years. And, uh, so we were doing therapy on it right when we got back into, you know, pretty heavy squatting, like 440 for sets of six on a, like a transformer bar to a box or not, you know, we kind of had a progression that we followed. And then once we started getting heavy again, right when we got into the mid four hundreds for sets of six, um, something started happening in my back again. And, uh, we're, we're not so sure I ever needed hip surgery. Um, in my experience of kind of what's gone down with my body, um, I've been pretty let down, you know, by the health system in a lot mm. of ways. I never had anybody diagnose the issues in my spine ever. I saw a pain management specialist. I saw a spine specialist. And all they ever tried to do was correct my pain. They never tried to make anything heal. And uh, that was pretty problematic for me. So they had gone in and they had done shots in my spine, didn't work. Um, they cut nerves, didn't work, got worse, more inflamed, mm. more you know, inflammation. And then... They wanted to do another round of more aggressive shots. And I just said, no, I'm tired of being experimented on. Because what I feared is that when these shots wear off, none of my problems were ever going to be gone. 
And uh, so I reached out to Stu McGill, and he let me come stay with him in Canada. Oh, shit. Um, he was like, hey, look, man, I mean, you need help. I wish you would have talked to me two years ago when I explained all the symptoms I've ever had. Yeah. And because uh, we probably could have stopped this before it ever started. Um, but uh, no coffee in the background. Some professional. Um, so uh, thank coronavirus. you. Coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> Corona, thanks coronavirus for, over here. Yeah, thanks for spreading it around. Um, so then, uh, so I stayed with Stu for two days and, um, he did like a psyche valve on me to make sure it's I like was going to God to, to have him fix your back. It's kind of how I felt. And then <laughs> yeah. like you fly into Toronto he's the man. and you got to drive out of town and he lives out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he couldn't have been cooler. His wife couldn't have been nicer to me. She's a sports psychologist in her own right and an Olympian. Mm, cool. um, she's an Olympic rower. Um, she's a master's world champion Shit. in Canada. And, uh, Stu was the most interesting person I've probably ever met. He's handmade sixteen wood boats. What? And has them. Yeah. Wow. Like they're he's a jack of like, like he sharpened his knife on his hand one time in front of me and he was like, Here you go, this is the best way to sharpen it. Wait, wait. Well, pause. Sharpened his knife on his hand? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so like to get the fine edge on the knife, you know how they use like a leather strop? Mm-hmm. Well, your hand is some kind of form of leather. And uh, so like <laughs> it can, you can like kind of grind down the burrs on the side of the knife with your hand and make it like a really fine edge. So it's interesting. How cut, big are these well. boats? They're like little wooden boats, like, you know, old school ones that you would see, like kind of like the, like a more industrial, but James Bond vibe, you know? That's wild. That's fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. And the then. Back uh, specialist making boats. Yeah. It's weird, right? <laughs> he went to boat building school. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why would he? <laughs> and so. Uh, well, you're that smart, though. Like, you could just pursue anything, right? Like, exactly. You can make, like, fucking lampshades or something. I mean, like, yeah. you could just make whatever you want. Right. And typically, people, you know, if you meet a genius like Stu, it's like they're obsessed over three things, and that's it. Yeah. And then those are their things, and everything <laughs> else can fuck off. Um, so, uh, so he was great. And then he did a series of tests and evaluations on me in the gym in his basement. And, um, cause he's retired now. He mm. just kind of takes on whoever he wants to see. And, uh, you know, so he basically in his basement did all these tests on me. And then he even did tests to try to fake me out. Um, and he was really interesting while he was like converging on that. Like his my mind was going nuts and he's like being really animated and he's like, I'm converging. I found it, you know? And, uh, <laughs> you know, he was able to tell me that after testing, and then trying to fool me that he felt like he could be within uh, 99% certainty he knew what was wrong with my back. Mm. And I had three main issues. I have uh, spinal columns that move a little bit and need stability. And there's you know methods and ways to get that back. I don't know what they are, but I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. And um, then there's also uh, arthritis in my lower back and the facet joints. And we can never fix that. So that will always be uncomfortable in some ways. Just some management. Yeah. Can't yeah. really. You just get blood in there and try to make it feel better whatever way you can type exactly. of deal. kind of deal. Don't hurt yourself. Right, you know? right. And then uh, with his other stuff that's supposed to enhance your you know ability to feel better from that because you're more supported, more right. stable, et cetera. And then the third one was the weirdest one. And uh, this is, I've got a little bit of good news on it. So I've basically not really done hardly anything I wanted to do for going on a year and a half now. Shit. And it's been a long time, and it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. And uh, I haven't gotten to do what I want for over a year and a half. As far as lifting is concerned? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've been incredibly limited. Mm. Um, and so for me, um, going to him and hearing all these things, you know, it was more of like, yeah, I knew I was going to be out for a while, but now I'm really out for a while. And, uh, you know, but yeah, there is some hope, too. I'm trying to figure out what that hope Any is. Any idea what that noise is? I have no idea. Oh, uh, we can hear it. 
<laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I thought it was our equipment. I thought it was a jackhammer in the other room, Smoke. Hey, I now. I thought it was you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, put your tango away. Has it been? Uh, has it been difficult? You know, like uh, has it been like real? Like has it been emotional? You know, to not be able to totally. get back into it. Well, I spent the last year building a palace for powerlifting in my gym, Strong Barbell Club, and I barely use it. Right. So I floor press once a week, and that's not even allowed. You <laughs> right. know. So uh, and I like got hurt doing it. Hurt my AC joint. But uh, so uh, you know, it sucks not being able to do what I want to do. But it, it's really cool to bring it to everybody else. Right. Um. So now you're coaching a lot of people and things like that? Yeah. Oh, and the third symptom I didn't cover. This is why it's kind of cool. So I had this symptom. It's called a neural underhook. When you look up and down, your spinal cord travels a centimeter through your spinal column. Okay. So I have a disc that's leaking out the back. It's called a fissure. It's got gel leaking out the core of the disc. And when I look up, um, my nerves would get caught on it and my glutes would go dumb. Or they'd like lightning would shoot through them and my legs would give out. Um, anytime I looked up or if I like went down to like take a bite of a sandwich, like any of those motions where my cord would move and get caught, it's called a neural underhook. And I've never heard of that before. And, uh, he described it to me and showed me and it was really, really, really specifically, that's what it was. And, uh, literally three months of rest last week, I realized that that went away. So I'm one symptom down. I've got two more to go. And he was like, you know, you're probably going to be in this state of, you know, just doing physical therapy drills and a couple like really specific movements that I want you to do and walking until we've done this for over a year. So this is where I'm at until after November next year, at least. And then we can kind of slowly maybe work back into something and get that spine, spinal column calloused and working well. How have you been working through it? Like, um, like your psyche, like your power lifter. You lift heavy shit and pretty shittily. Yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. Like, but how are you getting through it? Uh, you know, I I have I don't have the luxury of being not busy enough to focus on myself a lot like that. And I have tried to focus on myself in other ways. Um, Doctor McGill was really encouraging of you know continuing to try to lose weight. So last time I was on the podcast two years ago, I was like 400 pounds. And uh, I think at the time I was like probably 375. And then when I did the slingshot uh, um, push pull a year ago, I was 396 when I weighed in. And uh, so I think I went into surgery at 380. And I came out and I stayed maintaining around 375 until May. And then, uh, you know, Steffi Cohen and I were talking about my bad back. And she was like, hey, I'd really love to help you out. And she helped me with her head nutrition coach. And I've went from... I started, I think, with him at like 375, 378, mm-hmm. and I've gotten down to as low as 320. And I've been sitting at 330 for about three three months now and uh, really need to, like, kick that into gear and get down to 300 pounds. Like, that's been my goal. Is it is it tough? Like, do you feel like, uh, do you feel like deprived being, mm-hmm. being like, lighter? Um, no, the hardest thing is, like, since... Like, are you hungry? Not really. I mean, no. You feel I mean, pretty good. I can I can manage it really really well, and I can still get to eat a lot of food. Right. Um. I, I mean, I can right now if I want to cut, I'm probably like twenty hundred to three thousand calories, mm-hmm. and that's not no food. I mean, that's yeah. yeah. And uh, when I started the cut, I was at thirty five hundred, and then I would kind of once I lost seventy pounds, I mean, I needed to cut a little more, and uh, so I really want to continue to get a little bit lower for my back, for me to be happier. I mean, if I can't squat a thousand pounds or bench over 600 pounds, why the hell would I have any extra weight on me? It's not worth anything to me. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so on, and honestly, like this is kind of a weird way to look at it. And you've probably felt this way or experienced this in a lot of different ways in the last few years. But 
I think that I get skipped over or taken less seriously or not related to by people because I was so overweight. Mm. And I think that uh, looking better and feeling better and, you know, being in better shape, not only would it give me more confidence, I've lacked confidence from being overweight for a long time too. Um, you know, those things might that's be interesting good for to my, hear that from might you be good be, for my business. Yeah. It's interesting to know? hear that from you because you have such a magnetic personality. Yeah. I wouldn't take you for somebody that, but I guess we all feel different when we feel heavier. Sure. And you know, I felt good in some ways. I mean, I felt like confident in my strength and that people liked me and that I was nice and I got along with everybody, but you're still a fat guy. Yeah. You're still <laughs> yeah. the funny fat guy. People still compare you to Chris Farley your whole fucking life. And, <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, not cool. a bad comparison. I'm going I'm to overdose I mean, and die early. Super. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, you know, I just, it's for me, like, it's hard to be that big for that long. Mm. You know, I've been over 300 pounds since I was 18, Shit. you know, except for one year, you know, and, uh, and I got back there pretty quick in that year too. Yeah. Um, so when you were really young, a long time. when you were real young, were you heavy? Mm-hmm. Like even when you were like eight, nine, 10, stuff like that? Um, I was big, not incredibly heavy. I got pretty fat, like in sixth grade. Ironically, the year I started to wrestle, I was actually so fat. My tits were so big. I wore a white shirt under my wrestling singlet my first year wrestling. <laughs> so we had these ones that were like cut like Encima would wear for Halloween or something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Borat. Yeah. And uh, I was I was like, eh, no, this makes me feel not good. So I wore a shirt. I was a kid with a shirt on at the pool because I've so embarrassed myself, you know. Right. And then um, in seventh and eighth grade, I was 12. I started to uh, lift weights and got confidence and Got bigger than everybody, and then entered high school. Big yeah, just kick everybody's ass. Yeah, I was like <laughs> 220 pounds, and you know, I really changed a lot in that time, and then got you know kind of popular in school, and you know, got along with everybody, and so I had some confidence with that. But uh, you know, I think that uh, you know, no matter what, anybody that you see with extra weight, they also have probably some extra baggage somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, in some way, you know, that they're holding on to that doesn't feel good. Whether that has to do with people, relationships, food, etc., there's something there, you know. You know, you mentioned that now since you were injured, you were able to concentrate more on, like, your athletes. You have the mm-hmm. gym, you're working it. And I was wondering, like, in a year from now when or whatever, mm-hmm. when you're healthier, um, have you thought about exactly what you're going to do? Or, like, are you going to continue dropping and mm-hmm. find something else? Or are you going to try and get back to lifting heavy weight if you get that clear? You know, before any of this happened, like, I really wanted to total 2,000 to last 40. And I'm 35, and I mean, I'd still like to do that, honestly. I mean, if you told me that I was healthy today and I was okay, I would try to squat 800 pounds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's just how I feel mentally. It's, I'm not scared of that. I'm just not able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, my total is literally 551 in all three lifts. So I can bench 551, I can squat 550, and I can deadlift 550, but I can't do it like a pound more. Yeah. Um, my glutes shut down and I can't move. And, uh, so that's, that's been the problem is my glutes give out and I can't, I can't control myself and, and, uh, you know, it's a problem. What do you think maybe a misconception is about people that are heavy? Cause you were saying that maybe a good amount of people are walking around, probably not, maybe not everyone, right? But like almost all of them, you can guarantee they probably have some sort of baggage, sure. some sort of issues from, uh, something they've heard or something they thought of themselves or their own perception of themselves or the perception they have that other people have of them mm-hmm. or any of those kinds of things. But we sometimes hear people say, oh, like they're fat and lazy, you know, mm-hmm. but it, there's, it's more complicated than that because you feel like you can't get off the couch because 
because of just kind of the, the pattern that you've fallen into, the bad habits that you've fallen sure. into. So you're not encouraged to, like, you don't want to move your body. I, I don't know what it's like to be uh, 400. So maybe you can kind of explain that to us a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those things that sneaks up on you. Like, I felt pretty good at, like, 360, actually. You know, when I was at my very strongest ever, I was, like, 360, 365. And I felt pretty decent at that time. Like, I didn't feel like a you know fat sack of turds all the time, you know. But it, And then it started to get that way. And, you know, and at the time in my life, I was also drinking a lot. I was eating a lot at night, like, pretty uncontrollably. And in my work, I was eating a ton of fast food. And, uh, you know, meal timing was shit. You know, I'm sure I tanked my metabolism. So, you know, people say fat and lazy, but it's really fat and undisciplined. Mm. That's really the term that has to be there, you know. And, uh, you know, and and everybody is doing a diet, but diets, they don't necessarily work because that's saying that I'm only going to temporarily change my my habit, Mm. you know. And it's not, you know, lifelong, you know, it's not a thing. Yeah, you're just going to cut back on the amount of food that you eat, and that's mm-hmm. going to be very difficult because yeah. you love eating and you're used to it. It's, com- you're, it's comforting, right? Yeah, for sure. I know it's hard to – because I think both of you guys, I'm curious about this. If you look back to when you were at that 360 or 380 mm-hmm. or whatever, and even, Mark, when you were like 320, right, do you think you could have done what you did as far as those strength feats – at a lighter weight. And yeah. I'm wondering this because a lot of like, especially powerlifters, you know, when you get into those super heavyweight classes, mm-hmm. they feel like they just got to be super heavy to do that. Sure. Do you think that's absolutely necessary to produce that type of power? I think that we've seen that some of the best heavyweights are 330. You know, right. that's, that's honestly been the spot. And, uh, you know, they're a little bigger and stronger than the 308s, you know, a lot bigger than the 275s. And we've seen them at their best in the 330 range, maybe even 350 if they're taller. Um, but we haven't seen a lot of 400 plus guys. I mean, really just Ray and, uh, especially with longevity, you know, cause it's hard to be that big. Um, you know, when you're 400 pounds, like walking sucks, stairs sucks, sex is hard. Like everything is difficult. Sex is soft. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, uh, for myself, I could have been lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, but how much lighter? I don't, I don't know. I think, well, in your weight gain, I mean, it felt bad to you, but right. it really wasn't that extreme. Right. No, it wasn't. And I, and I think when I look back at it, you know, weighing 275 to 290, I felt like I was performing really well at that weight and I didn't necessarily need to get any heavier, but it is kind of in accordance to your like height. I think Mm -hmm. your height's a big factor. You know, if you're five, seven, Mm -hmm. then you might be able to be like 240 and you might be able to kick a lot of ass or even 220 Mm -hmm. and you might be pretty thick. Like one of the biggest power lifters I ever met is Sean Frankel and he was a 220 pound competitor, but he's fucking massive. His shoulders and stuff. I mean, his back. I mean, he's just huge. Yeah, absolutely. So what's it like coaching people now? Uh, you know, I've coached people in a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. I, my first coaching job ever was college football. I finished playing, and then they let me stay on as an assistant. And and that was a really good foundation because it's like a higher level, you know. And then you can kind of take that into a lower level. Instead of, like, having to learn to get better, you almost had to take some of it back, you know, to go to the lower level. So I coached college football for, you know, a year, and then I helped out with the rugby team and stuff. And then I worked with the high school wrestling team a couple of them and then I coached high school wrestling for a couple of years at a really good high school in Kansas City and uh, so I had already coached people a lot like the psychology of coaching is no problem for me mm-hmm. um, that's where I'm the best at is with you know dealing with athletes psychologically that's the easiest part for me is there, um, is there any like added pressure now that you do own a gym and all that stuff or is it just yeah 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 for sure um, because this is the only thing I do 
And, you know, I decided to leave a pretty good paying job a little over two years ago. And, uh, and then I started working at the gym. I got screwed over by a guy who declared bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. I got screwed over by new owners that didn't give a shit about me. And then I ended up having to break off and do it myself. It was a scary two years, you know, and, uh, we opened the gym, uh, June 1st, two weeks in, we're sitting there and, uh, Matt Vincent and Bonnie were meeting me to go to the gym at 8am on Sunday morning on, um, June 14th, 15th. And uh, I got a text 10 minutes before they showed up that the roof collapsed and we had 84 members in two weeks. Um, we had to shut down for seven days. We found a new place six blocks away. We moved the whole gym in one day in 12 hours and, uh, we rearranged it the next day. And then we opened the next day and we gave everybody a week of money back. And, you know, then we kept growing from there. So we're in our location now. That's really awesome. And it's really safe building. <laughs> nice, uh, nice publicity stunt I know, right? <laughs> having the roof cave in. Oh, you hear about that gym that had the roof cave in. That was wild. I heard they're giving everybody their money back. Well, we, uh, you know, we, we had a lot of buzz going for our gym, you know, cause right now we have like 160 members, 155. Cool. And, uh, when we had first opened, um, you know, we had 80 like that. Well, there was a lot of people wanting to come work out, wanting to come see it. We sell a ton of day passes, like probably 20 or 30 a week. And uh, so when it came down to that kind of stuff, um, everybody was wanting to come. And I'm sitting there getting messages all day long. And I don't have a building. And I can't even go into it. It's condemned. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't the roof didn't collapse in our area. It was next door. But it was very, very stressful. I 1,000% hugged Matt and cried. <laughs> I was like, here's your ice coffee. Fuck, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> I was. Uh, I remember when they told me the building was condemned. Jenna and my wife had gotten me a massage because I was so stressed out, and uh, I was sitting there, and this like six foot one Swedish girl, not you, um, was giving me this massage, and I'm sitting there. My phone will not stop vibrating, and I was like, "Give me the phone." <laughs> and she gives it to me, and they're like. JP, the building's been condemned, and I go, well, I can't do anything about it right now. Just hang it up. <laughs> I just sat there and just waited out the massage, just steaming, you know. And uh, and then, I mean, I was at, like, a Coheed in Cambria, and every time I die a concert, um, you know, later that night, and I was just sitting there in the rain thinking about what I was going to do with my life. <laughs> I'm, like, in between shows, I'm, like, answering phone calls from a guy from China I'm trying to rent a building from and, you know, all this kind of shit. So it was wild. It was cool. But uh, now the gym's doing really great. Um, I personally coach about 40, 45 people at a time. And then, um, I run the gym full time during the day. I'm there, you know, pretty much nine to five every day. And then, uh, weekends, a couple hours a day. And then, uh, till 10 on Tuesday and Thursday, cause that's when my group trains. And then, um, so, um, you know, the gym's doing good in that way. Coaching's doing good in that way. And then I also run about six or seven local powerlifting meets. Um, I run, a couple big ones, and then I run some for other gyms that don't have the resources to run them maybe or haven't ran a meet before and need help. And so, you know, we kind of have a revenue-sharing type thing and, you know, work with each other. And so I come in and run the meet for them, and, and uh, you know, they help me with it. So, What do you uh, learn from the experience of having the building condemned and mm -hmm. just going through all that bullshit and then coming out the other side okay? I always wanted to be on, like, an episode of Restaurant Impossible. You know, like, that's what it felt like. It was wild. Uh, we had a lot of help, but it was a lot of stress. And you got to remember, I'm going through this whole fucking thing with a broken back mm. and recovering from hip surgery. So, uh, you know, that was pretty tough. You know, uh, Jess came out for our grand opening and it was when the roof collapsed. Shit. And so she came and helped us move the gym. She's a uh, bad luck. Yeah. No, well, thank God, you know, since I was out, they brought in another offensive tackle to, uh, to help carry the gym around and re rebuild it. So, cause I couldn't do much.
<laughs> how many I couldn't ha- do much but run heavy equipment. Yeah. How many athletes do you have competing here at the Arnold? Because you mentioned that. Uh, so only a couple. So we have uh, two girls came to our gym from another, and they've really fit in great and been awesome. They're uh, they're really cool. They're they're competing in the XPC on uh, Saturday, and uh, Ryan, my you know business partner and uh, and friend that's uh, at the gym and coaches people. Um, Ryan uh, coaches both of them, and he coaches another girl that's competing, and I'm going to help handle them and coach and. And then, um, you know, I really, I love to come here as a spectator too. Like last time I was here, it was for the cage and that was really, really fun. And, uh, so, you know, what we're going to do is, uh, I'm going to support a couple of the events if I can get in and watch a little bit. Um, cause I love Highland games and Strongman and all that stuff. You know, when I, when I was hurt and I couldn't come back, it was uh, while I was trying to be ready to pick a Strongman meet. And I, I really had aspirations to try to get my pro card in that. And I probably never will be able to, you know, Stu is fairly confident that I can get athletic again and maybe even do like local level or regional Strongman. But, um, you know, I'm just not going to be as strong as I was ever again, probably. And I'm pretty okay with that. I do want to deadlift 804 in a meet though. Yeah. It's like the only goal I never hit. I know he's helped uh, like Lane Norton quite a bit, and Lane mm-hmm. Norton's able to get back to pretty close to where yeah. he was before. I mean, just being able to do some of the stuff, I think after you've been injured or after something happens, you're just kind of you're more grateful that you're just able to do the activities after a while. You know, So if you're, if you're able to squat even three plates, but you can do it without a lot of pain, yeah. then uh, that, that might be kind of like the new goal. It's like just squatting with no pain. Two years ago, I squatted – two years ago today – um, I squatted, uh, or tomorrow, I squatted 925 for a double. Shit. You know? And yeah, in my gym with the safety squat bar and chains, <laughs> I think you had like eight plates on each side or something, something like 785 that. or something, yeah. or 795. I mean, it was just... I was like, what is this guy doing? This is just, and he did a couple reps yeah. and it was easy. And I was like, this guy's fucking out of his mind. <laughs> well, I mean, when I was, when I was there, I pretty, I felt unstoppable, man. I felt like I could do anything I wanted or anything I tried to do. Sorry. That's okay. I'm usually good about that. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't even want to look. Well, yeah. I do want to go back to this because I think a lot of athletes definitely should pay attention to that. You said that. Um, you think that the hip surgery made things worse, right? You know, I don't know if it made things worse. I just don't know that my hip was actually the problem. Yeah. You know, they did some testing to try to assure that it was, and it was torn, but, uh, I mean, I definitely got every single symptom back plus then some after we tried to recover from that. And that's when everything really just went nuts and my back was all fucked up and, and I really needed intervention. I needed help bad. Yeah. You know? So it's funny because, so what I was trying to say was, uh, and I didn't finish my point was, um, two years ago, I squat 925 for a double and, uh, mad that it wasn't a thousand. And now I'm like excited. I can look up without pain. Mm. <laughs> you know, like shit, things have changed, man. Uh, you know, I was, I, you know, I went to a appointment for an MRI one time at KU medical and uh, it's pretty hard to get around some hospitals. You know, it's like hard to understand what's in what building and it's a little confusing. And I remember uh, the valet wasn't on duty and I couldn't use it. If anybody ever doesn't valet their car, they're stupid. It's like $2 tip, you know, $3 tip. It's a complimentary valet. Use the valet. Yeah. You'll feel like a high roller. It'll make you feel good. And then you'll spend $2. Throw the keys at him. Park this. <laughs> Don't this. even look. <laughs> Take my 96 to so. Um I know how many miles are on it. Don't go out on a joyride. <laughs> I've seen Ferris Bueller. <laughs> um, so uh, I parked and uh, I ended up having to walk like probably three quarters of a mile. And I like cried a third of the time because it hurt so bad. But I didn't want to ask for help. I didn't want a wheelchair. And then. Um, I told him in the uh, operating room, like when I left, I was like, hey, I, I, my, I had to park really far away. I need help. And uh, they didn't give anybody to help me. So I just like 
kind of walked as slow as I could and took breaks and had to walk back out to my truck and it was, it was miserable, you know? So I've come a long way since then, you know, and being thinner has helped out a lot with that. I'm sure. Um, you know, cause when your mobility is taken away, if you're the one, you know, also killing yourself on top of that, it's not good. Is there anything you could have done differently in your lifting career that you think would have helped? Honestly, you know, there's not one thing that caused this. Um, you know, I mean, in my last meat prep, I think I squatted over 900 over 20 times. And, uh, but that's what we had planned and that's what I needed to do to squat oh, what I wanted to squat. That's where you were. You yeah. Know, it wasn't like a stretch. You yeah. were, that's how strong you were. Yeah. And you know, honestly, there's a lot that I could have done different, but I honestly didn't do anything stupid. Like, you know, I, to be honest with you, if you ask my training partners, I didn't work very hard to squat as much as I did or bench as much as I did. I did a lot of upper body work to do that, but cause clearly I had to build muscle and, you know, do those kinds of things. I've got a big upper body. But, uh, you know, when it was time to squat a thousand, I would come in, I would work for three hours to squat a thousand, I'd walk out. I didn't do hip sled or leg extensions or. I, I like what you I said there because I, I don't believe in hard work. You know, I think, yeah. I think it's, uh, it's like a misconception. Now, if we were, if we were to go train with some CrossFitters, that would be hard work for us because we're yeah, not totally. adapted. We didn't adapt to it. Yeah. But if you give us some time, you know, you start to adapt to yeah. it, you start to get better and the level should go down a little bit yeah. and. I think uh, a lot of people are trying to sprint at like 110% with everything that they do. And then that's, that's where the injuries can kind of happen. Yeah. And that's where you can also get burnt out. I see people do it with totally. their diet all the time. Starting on yeah. Monday, starting on Monday. Yeah. You know, I'm going to fast for 18 hours and mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, get on the elliptical and I'm going to do A, B, and C. And they just made it uh, so difficult. And it's like, it shouldn't, the difficulty level should match uh, your adaptation previously. So like, mm-hmm. where are you at? And it should kind of line up with that, and then you can kind of go from there. So for some people, it might start out with, you know, walking, or it might yeah. start out with just going to the gym and doing one exercise. Yeah, I was really smart, I thought, when I lifted, and I took a lot of time off. I, you know, backed off all the time. I hardly ever was in wraps, you know. I was. I thought I was pretty smart until I wasn't. And uh, like I said, I've never been hurt my entire life. I've never had surgery. I've never had anything until I was 34. Do you think there was a point in your lifting where you may have lost some mobility and some of it may have been, because that's what I noticed for myself. So this could be just a cautionary tale to some young, younger people that are listening to this Mm -hmm. is that I think over a period of time, I was like, quote unquote, shoving myself into positions that I, I wasn't able to get in comfortably without a bunch of weight on my back. So, uh, if you ever watch me deadlift, you'll already know that I don't deadlift. I like squat the weight up. Right. It's because my leverage is sucks so bad. And I'm so, you know, fat at the time. Cause I'm, I'm only five ten, five eleven, And then to be that big in your midsection, I have a huge torso. I'm really long torso and short legged, um, already terrible for deadlifting. You know, it sounds like the makings of a horrible body. It's awful. A large belly, short legs, <laughs> long torso. Fucking great for benching and squatting. This does not sound like a bodybuilding physique. <laughs> Subtitle sub- champion. You know? um, but, uh, you know, I often only lifted three days a week. And if I didn't, it was two. And I skipped deadlifting. And, and so uh, I never took time to be good at that craft. And it was tough for you to get to down it. to the bar, right? It's challenge- yeah, challenging. Not, it was, like, easy to move around. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Stu... He watched some videos of me, and he really thought that um, I errantly put the bar down a lot. And he said, you've gotten so big and so strong, you do a lot that you shouldn't do. Yeah, you need to be disciplined with every movement. You know, I could grab a person or a chair and throw them across the room, and it wouldn't be a thing. But, 
if you do that poorly enough, mm-hmm. enough times, enough times over and over. You talking about Andrew? You're going to mm-hmm. throw Andrew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should sure. try that. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be like that game. He'd go pretty far. The I think. Mid, we could do How far throwing, could you throw Andrew? Andrew? You think he weighs, what, 180? Uh, generous 180. Yeah, sure. Quarter mile. Quarter mile. <laughs> if we get it on camera, I'm down. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other sure. than that. 400 meters or so? <laughs> one, one, <laughs> just one lap around the track yeah, there? Yeah. He's a real aerodynamic. I thought you'd be able to throw him a little further than that, yeah. honestly. I think if I assist him, if I like just like you know ragdoll he i don't has, think he can get enough leverage but ragdoll if i like would be a challenge yeah but if i push off you yeah he has help. uh he has jeans on so i think you'd be able to grab him by like the pants yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. i don't know if you ever had to do that in a bar and grab someone by the pants and chuck them out but that's thousand percent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i actually lost it at a bar not too long ago and i don't really i don't really I don't can really, you imagine <laughs> no, no i don't want like, to I don't, I don't really drink anymore and i wasn't that night and uh so we're at this that would bar. Be ter- terrifying. We're, we're at this bar that Ryan used to general manage, and it's called PBR. And this guy with like a Carhartt shirt on with a pocket here with like the little logo and like a camo hat that he like was drunk and he was wearing it like up like this. So he was bothering these two girls, and here's the point where I lost it. He put both of his hands in one of their hair. <laughs> both of his hands and ran his hands through her hair, and she didn't know him. Wow. And and I just went over there and I go, hey, do you know this guy? She's like, Mm-mm. I was like, did you want both of his hands in your hair? And she was like, fuck no. And I was like, all right, get out. <laughs> so I grabbed him by his pants and walked him face first through the dance floor. It's a nice handle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It worked out pretty good. I'm pretty sure his ass crack was hanging out though. Cause he probably just got off the job site, but, um, probably the least of his worries at that point. <laughs> yeah. So after, so I threw him out of the bar and then I go, oh, <laughs> You had to get a whiff. I had to give him the rock. If you smell. <laughs> Did you uh, get any uh, bouncing gigs back in the day? No. Like uh, we used to, I was, in, I'm into hardcore music and uh, back in the day, like we had a couple friends that promoted shows and they couldn't afford security. And so we kind of helped them out with that sometimes, but it was a good way to get into a show for free. Right. Um, you know, in a house party here and there, but uh, my dad bounced through college and he tried to tell me not to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he was like, you know, people these days, they don't fight fair. You know, yeah. back in the seventies, it was cool to be a bouncer. It's not fucking cool. You just anymore. punch somebody. It's not a big deal. Yeah. 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 Like, I think he's like, had a guy's tooth come out in his hand. One oh time. shit. <laughs> you know, I was like, you don't need that in your life. I've never been a fighter. I'm too nice of a guy, but I'll wrestle, but right. <laughs> I've never, I've never punched anybody in the face or gotten hit in the face. You know, unless it was sports oriented. I don't really want to start that. Right. Has your uh, lifting, um, you know, the injuries and the stuff like that, uh, has it given you more time with your family? Like, has it changed any relationships that you have or anything like that with yeah. your kids or wife or anything? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely added strain. Like, I don't have any way at all that I enjoy relieving stress, oh. except like, you know, two and a half minutes a day. But uh, so uh, that's masturbating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mark got it. So, uh, so basically, you know, Fapping. you take, I mean, you're one stress reliever and it's, it's gone, you know, it sucks. And, uh, it's really hard to not be mad. It's really hard to not be upset. It's really hard to like have something inside you that's like, Oh, when I feel this way, I do this and then not be able to do that, you know? And that's a big challenge, honestly. And, uh, you know, I can see why people get counseling in those situations. I can see why Stu evaluated me in that way. And that's a challenge. Um, but I really have, I mean, starting the business, I'm there sometimes 70 hours a week, Shit. you know, and I'm trying to, you know, have it be organized in the way where my kids don't miss me too much, you know, 
And uh, How old it's are hard. They? They're seven and five. And when they're that age, they're going to miss you if, if you're gone for six hours. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and tell you that and cry. And you're <laughs> gone for six minutes. Yeah, they're exactly. miss you. yeah. So, uh, so it's tough. And I've got real sensitive boys. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they really love me and I love them and we want to be together. And so. Your job isn't to be there all the time, though. You right. Should just, you know, every yeah. dad should know that. Like, that's. Yeah. Your job isn't to like be there twenty four seven and right. get them out of every sticky situation that they're yeah. in. Yeah, and uh, you know I've had a lot of dads tell me like, "Oh, I used to lift," and then, and I'm like, "Yeah, now your kids aren't proud of anything you do." <laughs> right. you know? And I'm like, you know, my Ouch. kids are going to be able to say like, you know, I was really psyched for my dad. Like he competed, we got to see this and that. He built a community, and uh, and that's the kind of legacy I want to leave. Not that uh, they just saw me all the time, right? Okay, mm-hmm. that's not extraordinary. Right. Um, a lot of people are seen. You know, and then don't do anything. You're not, you're not really leading by example because maybe you're not doing that much. Yeah, you know, yeah. That productive. I find that kids that are inspired have parents that are inspiring. Right. You know, and uh, and I hope to be that kind of a parent where I'm always following my passions and, but also bringing them along with me. And and so, uh, you know, I spend nine to five at the gym every day, so I get to drop them off at school every day. You have a favorite nice. kid? Uh, oh, for sure. <laughs> Both of them are their favorite, well, like when whenever, the other one's not around, right? Whenever one wants to be with a parent, like Jack always wants to be with me, Jay always wants to be with Jenna. Mm-hmm. So, Do you bring them to the gym with you? Sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah. Do they, they enjoy do they it get there. a kick out of it? Like, this is dad's gym. Totally, totally. That's and, so cool. Uh, they have some fun stuff they can do there. They have, we have a kid's room where kids can hang out. Parents don't need to spend extra money on that kind of shit. They That's can, awesome. If they're five or over, they can come hang out. I'm really curious real quick about, um, you know, you said that typically, and you, even for me, you know, the stress reliever is jujitsu in the gym. And yeah. I, like, when I think about if I didn't have that, yeah. I'd be so fucking mad. Yeah. So in your And situ- you get to fight in the gym. You know? Exactly. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. But right now, I mean, I know you, you're working a lot, so maybe that relieves some stress and coaching, but it, is there anything that you've found to be pretty beneficial for you? Like, is there anything new that you've added into mm-hmm. your life or practice that, that that's helpful? I think there's a few things I could still add. Yeah. You know, I could be way better at doing my physical therapy every day. I could be way better at doing the things Stu's asked me to do every day. Um, they're very hard for me to do because I'm used to doing shit I want to do. Yeah. And that's stuff I don't really want to do. And it's hard to see value in it until it starts working. So it's easier to see value in it now. But, you know, it's also, you know, it's hard to keep losing weight when you get depressed from hearing that you're not going to be able to do what you want to do for another two years, probably. You know, it's like those kinds of things weigh on you when you're in those situations. And and it's really hard not to be frustrated sometimes. Um, But the fact that I get to do what I want to do every day really helps with that. Um, The fact that I'm kind of following what I would really, you know, am passionate about is really helpful. Um, I've, you know, gotten a lot deeper and more into coaching now that the gym's pretty established, you know, and we're not, you know, worried about making the bottom line all the time. It's not like it's making a lot of money, but it started to make some, and that's important because we want to be around a long time, you know, but I live off of being able to coach because that's, you know, another conduit for me to be able to generate revenue while we're building the gym. And so it's been a real blessing and, and I really owe everybody to get good at it, you know? And, uh, I'm the kind of person that I'll never say that I'm great at something. You know, I could say that I was great at squatting. Like I'm confident in that, but, um, you know, with coaching, I have to always strive to try to get better at it and bring something new to my clients. And I think anybody that's been with me for one to two years can see the maturation in that period of time was very fast because I get obsessed. And, uh, so being better at that's been a real asset to me and, uh, and, you know, giving me another way to generate income. I've had to rebuild my income four times in like three years. So that's challenging, you know, it's a lot of pressure 
And especially when you're paying, you know, the two years ago, three years ago, we paid almost $20,000 a year in kids daycare, you know? And, uh, so to like be in a position where you're always having to rebuild that with everybody to rely on you, that's stressful. And luckily Jenna has a good job and that's great. But you know, this day and age, like two of you almost have to, you know, it makes you kind of question things, you know, you're like, how much longer can I keep, you know, trying one thing and have it not work out and then try another, what made you stick with it? What it was, was the it, coaching or running the gym? What do you mean? Just kind of all of it, because yeah. you know you could have just been like, "Well, fuck, man, I got to go sell insurance or something." Yeah, I mean, I've always been good at selling and talking and relating to people, and I could sell anything. But um, in my last job, it was sales. But if I found out that if it wasn't what I wanted to be doing, so the job I was doing, I was running high school sports fundraisers, and that was easy for me. But then when we went into the elementary market, like it lost all its allure to me, mm. and uh, you know, I felt like I was doing something that wasn't needed. I felt like I was doing something that we needed them to do. Mm. And uh, so at that point, I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. I don't believe in it. And uh, so I immediately kind of got out. I had to believe in it, you know. And uh, when it's your gym that you build and, and you have established, that's easy to believe in. And, you know, I've been a guy that's always tried to do a lot of different things and, and always been multi-talented or multifaceted, whether it was like being a, you know, a football player and on the student government executive board or whatever. And uh, one time I had a college football coach say, have you ever thought about being great at one or two things, not just good at everything? And uh, it kind of fucked me up because I thought I was great at everything, you know? And, uh, so when people ask me to do things now, like I, I like to speak, it's, you know, pretty natural for me and, and I would love to do a podcast, but I don't have time. They take a lot of time, mm. especially if you're doing it on your own and you're trying to produce it all yourself. Like this stuff takes time. Like you work hard at this and, uh, everybody works hard mm-hmm. at this. And so, you know, people ask about doing a podcast. People ask about doing this. People ask about doing that. And I just tell them like, look, I got three jobs and I spend 70 hours a week doing them. And I have to get as good at those as I can be before I can start doing anything else. And one of them's running the gym and we're not done getting good at that. One of them's running powerlifting meets and we're not get done getting good at that. And then the third one's coaching and we're not done getting good at that. And so those are the things that I'm focused on. If it's not those three, I'm not entertaining it very often. Mm. You know, I'm getting better at saying no and just saying like, this is what I do and this is what I have to get better at. And this is what my kids need me to do. This is what I'm going to do. I can set you up with something to make podcasting pretty easy though. I've heard there's ways. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also like at the gym, it's tough. Like I get pulled away a lot. Of course. Like I don't get a free hour very often. And, yeah. and you know, and then thinking about doing format yourself in Kansas City, I can't really have guests on all the time. I could call people, but, um, there's ways to patch people into the phone real easy yeah. these days. But I, uh, but live is so much better. I'm so yeah. much handsomer in person. Oh, oh <laughs> absolutely. Um, but there's just, there's certain things that I could obsess over that don't make me any money. Mm-hmm. And then there's certain things that I could g- get great at that are a service to everybody around me where I can make more money. Those are the things I need to focus on, especially the one where you can make money while you're not there. <laughs> like that's, I mean, that's the number one challenge to figure out as a business owner, right? Is how to make money while you sleep. You know, I like some of your videos that you put out on uh, Instagram, you know, where you're, where you are coaching. Cause like I, I've always known you to be like fun and funny and just super fucking strong. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, a lot of those athletes are, they have great genetics. Yeah. You, you've probably always been strong. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I was just JP. He's just fucking big and he's insanely strong. But then the coaching cues and the stuff that you put out there, I'm like, this guy knows what the hell he's talking about. So that stuff is really cool to see. I typically try not to say anything until I know I'm right. And so if I put out content, it's usually going to be something I'm just really, really confident in and is going to work for some people. Not everybody, but a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I need to do that more often. I need to do that every Friday. 
and that is a part of my coaching business. So that is something I should be doing every yeah. Friday mm-hmm. is releasing. Content. Yeah. I would encourage you to do that. Cause that's, you know, podcasting is just a slightly different format than, yeah. than that. Right? right. Like it's, you know, it, it's just communication, yeah. you know, and it will take you, uh, it'll take you less time to do some mm-hmm. of that than it would to put out a good post that you're like writing. Right. Sometimes it'll take 20, 30 minutes yeah. as opposed to just having a nice video and you, yeah. you talk really well. So why not lean mm-hmm. into that? Yeah. Yeah, and I need to lean on that more. Um, I need to be, you know, more. I've never been that into me. And so, like, I've always been, like, cool with myself, but I've never been, like, well, they need to hear this from me. Right. Like, that's never been my thing. And, like, usually I don't know that until, like, somebody tells me to do that, right. you know. Or, like, hey, so-and-so would like to hear that from you. I don't yeah. know that until after it happens. Mm. And then, uh, so I should do that more often. Um, if you notice on my page, like, I mean, I've, I have, like, not posted because I don't have anything I feel like I'm proud of except for the gym, but I don't want to post about that all the time. Right. And so, uh, it's yeah, really, all that it's stuff really is hard. really weird. So I used <laughs> to all, I used to post about, you know, my lifting and that was like all I kind of posted about. And I didn't post a lot, but if you follow my stories are pretty fun, but, uh, cause it's very hard to not be, it's very hard to not be controlled by the audience. Yeah, you know? totally. Mm-hmm. Like totally. If it doesn't get a lot of likes or a lot of views or a lot of comments, yeah. How long are you going to keep posting that for? Yeah. yeah. For sure. And the coaching videos. I'll race you to zero. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, I've been posting that. I'll ra- race you to zero followers. Right. Cause like, I just, I'm trying to care a lot less, yeah. you know, just fucking post it and don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always tell people that when uh, people are always like, you're really similar, you know, in person as you are to like on your stories. I'm like, yeah, in person, I just say fuck more because <laughs> I'm not worried about my grandma hearing it. <laughs> like, um, you know, I have my aunt, she's a really amazing lady and she, uh, she's like, Man, you really cuss a lot on your stories these days. I'm like, I cuss like every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. I think you're just, you're highly underestimating what like people's interest of you. Sure. I think if you post it a lot more, you just get way more people interested. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I could complain about, you know, maybe not having this many followers or people not wanting me to do a seminar because I'm fat and they don't relate to me. You know, I could complain about that or I can lose the weight, post more content and do something about it. Yeah. You know, dude, I mean, like out of everybody here, I like, in my opinion, like I feel like I am the like least important, right? Mm-hmm. Yesterday in the airport, somebody that's came up. That's definitely true, by yeah. the way. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a fact. That's, that's fine. But yesterday, somebody in the airport came up to me and said I was their hero. Nice. Like, the f- like this isn't like... I Looking around like, huh? Yeah, exactly. So if somebody... There you go. If somebody like out there has that much... like Because they, uh, she said she resonated with my story. Yeah. Because of where I came from, who right. I am, where I am and now. And you share it. And I share it. Yeah. And I don't do enough of that. Exactly. There's so many more people would resonate with you being a bigger dude, yeah. being in pain. Yeah. Dude, like, yeah. There's and, a lot more honestly, of that than there are more, like, sorry, I'm very, Suma, but, you know. I'm very, uh, <laughs> I'm very vulnerable, too. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not afraid to be vulnerable. Like, we've never not had an honest conversation about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm not afraid to share that. But I just don't, I don't always think of stuff that I do as stuff that people give a shit about. You know, I think it's about what I want to do and there's certain people locally that need it, but I don't, maybe I should think more about Mm -hmm. like what people actually want to see Mm -hmm. or put more out just so I can figure it out, you know, figure it out. And then also like, who cares if that post didn't get as many likes as the one before? Yeah. Eventually all the likes will go away and then nobody will give a fuck. But for now, I I just, I don't know. I just, what I see from you, like, just cause I know you personally, Mm -hmm. like you're doing the planet a disservice by not like sharing more of you. Right. You know, and I like doing that in person a lot more, but I think that like there's ways and I'm there so often there's plenty of ways where I could do that and share it 
very often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, at least weekly, you know, if not more. Uh, more Q&As, hooking up with other coaches and talking back and forth and giving, even if it's 10 people in the room, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the funny thing. I don't post about coaching a lot because I always get inquiries from it, and I'm like, I don't really want any more clients. <laughs> <laughs> and if they're like, well, I want to pay you, I'm like, all right, fine, I got a spot. <laughs> but you know what? I think the the awesome thing is that the you know the more you put yourself out there, the people that don't vibe with you are going to fuck off, and the people mm-hmm. that do vibe with you are going to stick around and grow. Right. And I, I also, like when you said, you know, you went from sales to doing what you're doing now and the things you're interested in, it reminded me of Mark's video that he just mm-hmm. posted, like follow your interests. Like, I think that's a really powerful thing that not enough people are able to do. You know right. what I mean? Like when I was working sales in a commercial gym, I hated doing sales right. and I started doing something I was interested in and it changed mm-hmm. my life. And it, I just think that like even sharing that with people, cause that that's, that's fucking amazing what you right. did in the span of three years. It's insane. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's powerful. Yeah, and going through all that shit with your gym, mm-hmm. all the ups and downs, um, are you far enough away from it to like say like you can appreciate some of the shit you had to eat to get to where you are now? Or oh, is it still yeah. too close? 100%. Yeah. And like I still, like it's still a little PTSD. But yeah, no, yeah. It's uh, like I drive by that building and I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> um, <laughs> that landlord. Um, <laughs> so it, yeah, a little bit. But, you know, I'm, I'm very... I'm getting very secure with how things are and how we are and mm-hmm. that we're going to be here a while and that we're going to make a living on, on coaching and, and enhancing powerlifting and fitness, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, programs that we need to build up. We need like more, you know, kind of class style things in our space. We need, uh, you know, we need to hook up with a nutrition app and be offering more nutrition in a more robust way. Um, the way that people need, you know, you, you have to figure out how to get your customers to find everything they're spending money on where you are. And, uh, you know, cause they're spending it. They're just not mm-hmm. spending it with you. And so there's a couple ways that we need to be able to get better at and do that. Um, we, we, ever since we moved into the gym, we've had to continue building. Like it's gone faster than we ever thought it would. We mm-hmm. had to renovate the building. We had to, you know, buy more equipment. We, we're still buying equipment. We're still finishing the floors. We're still new and things. People always joke around. You guys add something new every month, you know, yeah. and it's true, but we're always growing. We're never going to fucking stop growing either mm-hmm. because the sport always grows. What are other things that you sell? Cause maybe somebody listening that wants to start a business. So mm-hmm. you sell a membership yeah, and then you sell personal training memberships, day passes, personal training. Programming is a big one. Um, uh, drinks. Yeah, we sell drinks. We've got a, you know, you guys help Bud light with course. monster. So on our cooler at our gym and hopefully nobody that, gives a shit here's this but on the cooler at our gym we've got like rain and monster and all Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and waters and stuff and then in the bottom there's all the leftover beer from all the events we have (laughs) and it says you know if you're 21 beer is free oh nice so uh we've got a basketball goal outside so the the weather that we've had recently we've got like a nice big parking lot in the back with turf and all kinds of stuff and so uh i mean it's really for like what we're trying to do it's not some shit powerlifting gym People can go there and be like, oh, you guys actually built a real nice power. Nice. You know, cool. it's like kind of like being, it's, I wouldn't, it's not of the level and it's not of the variety, but we definitely have way more uh, repetitive amounts of equipment than ST gym. Mm-hmm. Like we have, you know, four combo racks and two monos and, and like eight, 10 places to squat, eight places to bench. It's like a nice university gym. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but yes, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, we didn't spend a few hundred thousand dollars with Sornex or anything, right. but, but. You know, we, we did put together a really nice space. Nice. And it's the nicest one in our area for sure for what sports we cater to. Strongman, powerlifting, Olympic lifting. But it's really cool to be sitting there and the garage doors are open and the weather's beautiful and there's people playing basketball outside drinking a beer. You know, and uh, we did get just get a kegerator too. I don't really drink beer, but Ethan really wanted one. So, <laughs> our co-owner Ethan. 
you have uh, other coaches and stuff that that work not just for the gym, but maybe yeah. directly under your brand kind of thing? So, uh, not really. We're kind of all independent. Um, and I'm fine with that. You know, um, I don't really make my coaching brand synonymous with the gym cause it's kind of a personal mm-hmm. thing. Like I just work with people one-on-one. Yeah. Um, you know, if things go on and if we do build to a certain level and if we do have enough interest where we have to turn away a lot of people, uh, we do need to create like a more robust and a less robust system, mm-hmm. you know, based through our website or something of that nature or right. app or whatever. We're just not there yet. Um, you know, but when we created the brand, we did create it with the, in mind that it could get bigger. Right. You know, there's been collegiate strength coaches that have said, you know, Hey, once we move on to the next thing, like your brand looks pretty good for us to be a part of that kind of thing. But, uh, and we thought about that when we made it, but that's not been my goal. Right. You know, if somebody makes just me say I have a three or a five year goal, yeah, I want to have another place probably. Right. But, uh, you know, right now I'm just laser focused on this. Is, uh, programming kind of part of it? Like, um, is there, do people go to your website and they can, yeah follow along with the programming for free every day if they're a member or how or no so there's no member program we have and i so i have like pretty low ego and all this shit <laughs> i don't really care like i don't care who's coached by who or who's coached by what uh just left me for another coach she's cool what um so i don't care what people do <laughs> or who they work with or, or what the system is but i think that you know as long as people are really trying to be happy and they're going about that in a way that's good for them, then I'm so stoked for them. Yeah, I, I let people at my gym kind of do whatever do they whatever want. Do whatever the hell you yeah. want. Be happy and be here. Like all my, I only want you to be here if you're happy. So if working with me doesn't make you happy, work with somebody else. And, uh, you know, I also think that people relate to other people better. They want to work with certain people for certain reasons. You done over there? Just kidding. <laughs> um, so uh, he's probably preparing something for you, probably because he knows probably. that you're going to be. He knows that he's you're going to be. Grapefruit uh, in the microwave over there. You need to be anabolic. You know? Yeah, exactly. Did you say That's grapefruit my... in the microwave? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, got to warm her up. <laughs> exactly. So, but when it comes to like uh, the programming and stuff, I work with a pretty big handful of people from the gym. Some of them, you know, I have a price where I work with people for programming where I work with people in the gym for programming, where I work with people online, and then also where, uh, you know, I work with people once a week, twice a week, or three times a week. And uh, so, you know, there's definitely a graduated tier system to that. Um, and there's a lot more things that we could include in that. We just haven't built them in yet, you know. And uh, and so basically you can come there for programming, coaching, one-on-ones. I have people come from all over the city or all over the states to come and work on squatting, you know, and benching. And, and so, uh, you know, other coaches will bring their athletes for that. Um, and recommend them for that. So, you know, one-off sessions now, it's arguable, you know, are you going to really change your squat in one session? For some people, yeah. Mm. You know, I had a 51 or 53-year-old client that had never really hit depth or tried anything, and he wanted to power lift. And I said, I will coach you from a distance. He's an hour away. But you have to agree to come to see me at least once a month. And his first time he came to see me, he's squatting in regular shoes. It's four inches high easy and that's all i mean he's really tight he's Mm. really can't he he didn't realize he thought his shoulders were why he couldn't get under the squat bar Mm. i'm like no 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 no. you have to have thoracic mobility like we need to do these drills like we're gonna all these things i've learned from squat you from dr mcgill from all these great people i'm like oh cool i get to use this shit now and that's the cool thing about working on myself is i can bring those things all to other people and other coaches haven't learned that shit yet yeah (laughs) and so uh so i'm like really able to 
pass some of that on. And I'm cautious too. Like, I mean, I'm not any professional at that, but if there's something that I know is an absolute that can help somebody, mm-hmm. then I can teach that like the McGill three or, you know, certain drills that Stu's had me do. Um, and certain things that Aaron from squad used done. So, uh, so that's been really beneficial to me, you know, a lot. That's great. Awesome. So has the, uh, the gym helped or hurt the hemorrhoids? Oh, so I haven't had like an active hemorrhoid in a minute because I haven't like gotten lift heavy. I assume if I had like maybe a really good sneeze, it would happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> One sneeze away from a hemorrhoid. Yeah, that could be a book. So, so I'll tell the story if you want me to. Is this but the absolutely? So both. The both is amazing. So I've had a couple issues in my private area. That's usually pretty cool. Private area. My private area is pretty pretty legit. Private areas. Yeah, uh, my Is it son like Area Fifty One. My son Jay came in the other <laughs> the day. Bermuda Triangle. He was, he was naked, like shaking like this, <laughs> nice. and he told us he was shaking his front and back privates. Oh, that's great! I sent you the video. That is definitely your kid. <laughs> yeah, oh my Jay's God. my naked kid. <laughs> He's pretty funny. Um, and then, uh, and then Jack will just be like, "No, I don't do things that make you laugh. I'm not here for your entertainment." <laughs> He's all serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the other oh, day, he didn't want to wear wacky socks for wacky socks days. Like I don't like to do wacky things. I'm like, well, you're also no fun. Okay? <laughs> Jay's over there wearing wacky shit. That's not even a special day. I'm like, hey, why are you wearing a flannel with tearaway pants? <laughs> He's like, they're both gray. I'm like, all right, you match. Cool. Oh, man. Um, so anyway, I was a freshman, and, and this might help some people out. I've actually helped friends that have had hemorrhoids out with this, you know. Um, it's always funny when you get, like, a girl that comes in your office, and she's like, uh, hey, uh, door always open. It's 2020. I don't want to get caught up. So they'll come in. They'll come into my office and be like, sorry, I've been gone for a little while. I'm like, do you want to talk about it? Do you want to talk to somebody else? Do you want to talk not to me? <laughs> they're like, they're like, I have hemorrhoids. <laughs> like, well, I've been here before. <laughs> My freshman year of college, I was uh, bench pressing and we were maxing out at four fifty five, and uh, like literally like two days later, I was home for Thanksgiving break, and I remember I can feel and remember this situation. I'm sitting on the toilet in my parents' house, and you know, big people got to wipe back to front, and uh, they. Uh, Calm down, like you don't know this. You got long arms, but you ain't special. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, so anyway, I'm like, God, do I have a zit there? Do I feel a zit. I mean, be honest, we've had a couple zits on our ass, right? And uh, maybe not you, but um, so, uh, so anyway, I'm like, I think that's a zit. So I get up uh, as hard as I can. It's shot blood. Oh, I was like, <laughs> like, can you imagine being 18 years old? My butthole's bleeding. <laughs> yeah. And my mom and dad are like, I'm like, <gasps> are you okay? I'm like, yeah, leave me alone. I'm 18. Leave me alone. <laughs> Stay out of my room. <laughs> I was in their bathroom. But, uh, so anyway, I remember, um, you know, I had to use those, uh, they to say to use pepper, preparation H. So what a hemorrhoid is, it's a inflamed blood vessel that like falls out of your beehole, right? And uh, so that's why you can feel it. And then you have to like jam them back up in there and put the cream on them and stuff. And so the way that you're supposed to like wipe your ass in this situation is they have medicated pads and they're like tux is the name of them or whatever. And uh, Great I, didn't, name. I didn't know when you use wet wipes that you're supposed to like use dry after. I thought you just used wet. You got to mix it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you leave that surface wet, it'd be staying wet. And then it gets not good. <laughs> chafing yeasty like ah, yeasty. i had to ride <laughs> smells like bread's rising 
<laughs> I had to. I had to rot sourdough for sure. I had. To, oh, <laughs> I had. To, I like the smell of sourdough. I had to ride a. Uh, I had to ride one of those scooters in Walmart so I could not walk. I was walking with my legs four feet apart. Oh. I was dying. Um, you know the worst part about the hemorrhoid Something like thing that could really take you out. Man. <laughs> hey, so I went to the proctologist. Have you been to the proctologist? No, you're over forty. You've had to have been to the proctologist. No, I, I what's haven't. a proctologist? The ass doctor. Ooh, yeah. Okay. And uh, so you need to go. You're at that, that check spot. that prostate. You need to check those polyps. Um, so I'm at the proctologist. You can check them for me. Sounds like you're pretty knowledgeable. <laughs> so this guy, he is a coach. This little Asian fellow with his small hands. He uh, he like slicks up two fingers for me, and I'm laying on my side. Like I don't at this point, you know, I don't know anything about this. And I'm laying on my side. I didn't get creative. I got creative way later than Smokey. I wasn't 18 when I was trying that stuff out. I was uh, laying on my side, and he picked a cheek up, slid his fingers in, felt around. He's like, mm-hmm, 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 and pulls them out. The worst part of the whole thing, he then wipes my ass with a paper towel. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> anybody do that for me in 17 years? Get your fucking paper towel on my ass. I was so disappointed. I felt, I was like, I knew he was going to put his hand in there. I didn't know he was going to clean me up. I, didn't, I don't need that from you. Is it true it was the first time you got an erection? No, no, no. no. <laughs> from that? <laughs> the sixth. <laughs> That's about a half a dozen. <laughs> Feels pretty good. Brutal, yeah. yeah. If you get if you uh, if you end up laying on your side, it's bad news. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, laying on your side, it's good. Good for means the bedroom. In, bad for the operating room. Means you're in trouble. So I was getting some nerves cut in my back uh, in August, which I wish I didn't have done because it's not good for you. Um, I so I'm laying on the table and I'm strapped down in this operating room, you know, and the lights are like this, they're like super bright. <laughs> and I'm strapped down to this table and my pants are down below my butt cheeks. And uh, I'm strapped there, and they're, like, putting numbing shots in me. And at one point, they're, like, going in and cutting the nerves. And there's, like, probably, I don't know, six or eight people in there, I guess. You know, whatever the jobs they have. I can't see them. I'm looking down. And uh, so I started, like, like, I'm moving like this. They're, like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And I'm, like, no, I'm fine. But I'm strapped to this table with my pants down up below my ass and feel like making love's playing on the radio at full blast. How do you think I feel? <laughs> <laughs> feel like, like making love. <laughs> I was fucking losing it. I was like, what's going to be on next after Loon Delight? <laughs> it's like, you guys are killing me. And they all stopped working and laughed for a good two minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what's wrong with you? I'm laughing. You guys it's are tough, hilarious. It's a tough visit to the uh, doctor's <laughs> office, right? I'll tell you what. MRIs were tough. They sent me to the one at the Chiefs facility because the other one I barely fit in. Like I could barely get up to my nipples in that thing. Damn. The Chiefs one, I could fit in there a little bit and take a little nap. That shit's scary. You're like a weird little spaceship type thing, and you're it's they knocking and making a lot of noise. They didn't put my head in it, and I'm so glad. If they put my head in there, I would, I would freak the fuck out. Yeah. I was in there for 45 minutes. Yeah, I had my, my elbow checked out, and I had my arm like over my head, yeah. and they give you a thing that you can push. Yeah to uh to get you out of there i was in there for like 40 minutes and yeah. it's like um it's super close to your Tight. body you know and i'm kind of claustrophobic too so i'm dying yeah. the entire time yeah they're like oh you'll just relax you'll probably just fall asleep my arm started falling asleep and i'm like well now i won't be able to push the button yeah if, you know what i mean if my so arm then you start freaking out if my arm falls asleep all the way mm-hmm. you know so i hit the button and they're like we didn't even get you know enough images or i was like jesus christ i was in there forever so when i did it they uh so the first time i do too they had my hands over my head 
I don't think they understand that my hands don't touch the ground when they're over my head. Yeah, right. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not that flexible. I got too much muscle up here. And so I'm laying on the thing, and my hands are like four <laughs> inches off the table floating. Right. I'm like, fucking think I can sit like this? Yeah, you put a 45-pound plate on your hand or something. They, put, they ended up putting a pillow up there, but it wasn't good enough. You're right. And uh, so they were like, what music do you want? And I was like, this is right when The Greatest Showman was kind of popular. and I, My kids love that show. Great movie. Great movie, good soundtrack. And I was like, let's just listen to The Greatest Showman. And, uh, cause I know exactly the songs that are going to play, yeah. you know, and how long they are, you know, it's the soundtrack's probably perfect. So that played for four songs, which is about 20 minutes for the other 25. It was modern country. And I was like, guys, turn this shit off. Like I, I like know three country songs, somebody by Reba McIntyre, like red dirt road and like thunder rolls. That's like, that's all I got. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I sang somebody by Reba yesterday. Leave me alone. And, uh, her show was really good, by the way, back in the day. So I worked at the VFW as a bartender, and everybody had a song on the jukebox. That was like the only one that nobody claimed, so it was mine. Uh, so uh, so anyway, uh, I'm listening to this country, and they have these stupid headphones. I threw them on the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get these off of me. I hated it. It sucked. That's scary being in those machines. Yeah. You know, okay. So I think we have time. Uh, that MRSA story, Okay. I, I feel like people just need to understand and hear it. So MRSA staph infections, basically infection that your body, you know, it attacks, you know, your red blood cells, I guess. And, uh, so it's like resistant to being stopped. And so like, you have to like redo the drugs for it all the time. Like they have like generation one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of these drugs. And so when it was very, very first happening, this is way more severe than the coronavirus. <laughs> when this was very first happening, uh, people were like getting it from public bathrooms and like locker rooms and stuff. It would spread through teams. I mean, like 20 guys would get it at a time and it was incredibly infectious. Right. And so, uh, so the staff, the one guy got it in the seat next to me in the locker room. And so naturally like immediately passed to me like three days later. And, uh, it was 1000% in my private area, like right behind my nuts. And, uh, so it was like a Saturday, beautiful Saturday in the spring. We were playing spring football and, uh, I felt this lump and I was like, man, that doesn't feel right. And then it started to like go back, like up my crack, like in my, like in my butt cheek. And I could feel it growing, and I was like, this isn't right. And then it started to grow forward, and I was like, okay, go and see the trainer. So I go to the baseball field to find an athletic trainer, and they're like, well, you might have like an abscess or something or some kind of a cyst or whatever. You just need to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital in Atchison, Kansas, and it uh, they were like, yeah, you probably got some kind of a cyst. We'll give you some antibiotics and fuck off. And so I go back to my dorm room. It's like two or three o'clock. Yeah. I wake up at like two in the morning. I'm like hallucinating and sweating and like, poor, you know, I'm freaking out and I don't know what's going on. It's like gotten bigger. I'm like, shit, <laughs> what's happening? So I go call security and I, I remember riding in the security truck facing with my ass out the window because I couldn't sit down and I was like on my knees on the seat <laughs> and t- Tony the security guard took me to the hospital again and I go in and they're like yeah well whatever's happening we got to cut that thing out and so they like cut it out and had to heal from the inside out it was terrible I had to so the school gave me a uh, golf cart to drive for like a few months the president of the school gave me his golf cart because nice. he drove a car most of the time and the old president had this golf cart he always drove, so he gave it to me. <laughs> so I parked it at the dorm. People had, like, stolen it and taken it to McDonald's and stuff. <laughs> and uh, as long as it was back when I woke up, I didn't care. So I drove that to class every day, this golf cart. It was awesome. At one time, I took it down this hill, and I fucking flattened, like, three of the tires. And the guy <laughs> was like, I'm going to fix it, but you need to knock that shit off. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was that was the best part. So 
where we were at in the school, if you drove over the practice football fields, like past the football field and then like past the uh, the uh, locker rooms, there was practice football fields, usually like three 100-yard fields, you know. On the other side of that was a hospital, and then Caddy Corner was the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. So every day for three freaking months, because this had to heal from the inside out. It can't, you can't just close it and have infection in there, you know. So I would show up to the doctor's office. There were two, doc, two uh, nurses there, Dr. Swayze, Patrick Swayze's office. Not kidding. And uh, so uh, I don't think he liked that I quoted Dirty Dancing all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would walk into the office, and I'd be like, I carried a watermelon. <laughs> and then they'd tell me something. I'd be like, nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so... Uh, so anyway, I'd go to Dr. Swayze's office, and the nurses usually are the ones that worked with me. Yeah. And so right when I would pull up, I'd put, hit the horn <laughs> on my golf cart, and they'd get like a little pad, like a puppy pad, and put it on the thing. And so I'd get in there, and sorry, this is way better when it's visual. Okay. So I'd get up on this table. It's the kind of table Jess usually gets on when she's at the doctor. And I would put my feet up, and then I'd like hold my nuts for them. And they would, oh. it was like right here. And so they would pull the gauze out like a freaking magician <laughs> they'd pull the gauze out then they'd take a syringe full of like saline solution and flush it oh. and like rub it in there and like clean it with q-tips it was fucking... people understand like this is a hole in your leg correct it was like a flesh coin purse right behind my nuts <laughs> i got a couple of pictures somewhere if you want to see them and see yeah them. i really do please i actually am very curious <laughs> there's somewhere i gotta look them up okay. but uh we'll make terrifying. that thing we'll make that the thumbnail for this <laughs> right? episode it's gross <laughs> Uh, but like, so they would have to every single day repack it. And so on the weekends though, they didn't work. So the athletic trainer should do it for me. Oh, I had one of them, the head athletic trainer, Pat. Oh. We still talk about it anytime I call him. <laughs> I was like, my butt looks great, Pat. You've been missing out. <laughs> Damn. So anyway, I almost, I almost died. My white blood cell count, I guess was like 19,000. They said that if I didn't come in for another day or two, I would have. So that's how you got into shaving your balls all the time. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. That was the whole they point of the story, right? So smooth when you yeah, do it. It's great. Good job. Like, use manscaped. Like I got baby skin again. Yeah, manscaped. Use manscaped. I manscape about oh, two, three times no, a year. I mean, like the shaver, the no, manscaped shaver. You just oh, every once in a while I get up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know the move. Yeah, I don't nick my balls with those. <laughs> Man, they came out with the three I'm not going to buy the three point Hey, you can hammer the balls with a razor. It doesn't get cut. No. I can't. I really can't. My hair is too coarse for that. Um, Fair enough. Yo, but like not. The the stuff that happens like at Sac State, there was a hazing thing on the first year at the soccer team. So like they try to give guys jock itch. Oh. So one, like literally one, no, and I didn't know this. When I, when I showered, I came back to my locker. One of my teammates that had it, like secretly they rubbed it on it. Oh, shit. And then I, I, I cleaned it. And then the next day I was like, why is my, why are my inner thighs itching so bad? And then it got all scaly. And then they're like, ha ha, we got you. I'm like, y'all are fucking evil. That's terrifying. <laughs> Worst thing ever. You can't do that. So I had to pour vinegar on the inside oh. of my legs and just like sit up for hours. Cause the nurse was like, if you pour vinegar on it, it'll, it'll neutralize it. It neutralizes it. But it stings like a motherfucker. Yeah. Pour gasoline on it, light on fire. Yeah. Uh, We used to do axe bombs. So we would take, and like, there were vents above everybody's, like, so when you walked into a dorm room and turned around, there were like built ins. Uh And there were vents up there. And we would cover them with tape, cover the door vents with tape, open their door, and we'd take cans of axe body spray that smell like shit. And we would tape them down so they would only spray. And then we'd roll them in under their beds so they couldn't get them. We'd like, and then hold the door shut. <laughs> so you'd walk in and it'd smell like Jersey Shore, like it was full of douchebags in the room. <laughs> it was awesome. Axe oh bomb. Oh, my God. Damn. 
That's amazing. Somebody unbailed four bales of hay in my room one time, and I found hay in there for the next six oh months. Oh, my God. That, that's too much. The RA was like, are you going to clean it up? And I was like, no, I'm going to fucking leave four bales of hay in my room, Zach. Get back in your room. Shut up. <laughs> fucking fucking Zach. cheerleader. <laughs> a douchebag, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Zach was awesome, but I don't not. think you uh, told us how you were able to lose weight. So if you can share some of that with us, <laughs> yeah. Great. So uh, I literally I started working with Hybrid. Francesca was like, "Hey, here's your macros." And uh, the easiest thing for me, by far, and what I recommend to everybody is make it as easy as possible. Um, if it's not easy, you're probably not going to do it because you have poor habits. You know, um, and one of the best things you can have is accountability. I tell people I have a team. My team is people like uh, my wife, like Ryan, like Jess, like you, uh, like Steffi. I don't want to let these people down. There are people that are really invested in me as far as my health is concerned and would be really <laughs> upset if I backslid on this and it hurt their feelings. And uh, and I know that. And so uh, I, um, I'm i really you know, cognizant of that You try to communicate, communicate with people quite a bit try about what you're doing. And, yeah. yeah. If Especially you, if they ask. Right. You know? um, and it's better than talking about being hurt, <laughs> yeah. honestly. So... Uh, so for me, the easiest thing to do was to uh, eat the same food every day. I eat four meals a day if, I, if I'm being perfect. And I Around the same, the same time? Yeah. Uh, no. I Typically, I don't like to eat till about noon. And so I try to eat, you know, like noon to 10 is, is accidental intermittent fasting. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I still struggle at night snacking. Um, but when you're not eating fast food during the day, you can still typically lose weight in that situation. I just have right. to have a little bit more discipline. I'm like 5% discipline away from like hitting my goals soon, you know? Right. Um, you know, like, uh, and you got to have people that want to hold you accountable. Ryan said one of the best things to me ever one time. Um, I had to weigh every day and I didn't want to sometimes, you know, cause I knew what I was going to say. And, uh, I'm less scared of it now by far. Like I, so what I did to be less scared of it is I would journal every day about how I felt in the morning and then accept how I felt and then try to make it better from that point forward. Cause I knew, I knew I would be at my desk at 9am every day. So I just write it down real quick and I'll go away and then I just deal with it and it'd be over. And then my whole day I felt better. Yeah. And, uh, and when I get into a slump, I still do that. But if I'm not in a slump, I don't really need that. I don't need that extra shit in my life, you know? Um, so one day I was supposed to weigh and there were people around us that didn't know us. And so they thought this was pretty like wild, but so Ryan guy sitting over there. Um, so Ryan Silva and I are standing there and we're at the desk of the gym and he's like, uh, Hey, what'd you weigh today? And I go, well, I didn't weigh. He was like, you need to weigh. And I was like, no, I don't want to. And he goes, Hey, you fat piece of shit. Go get on the scale. I was like, fine, I'll go get on the scale. <laughs> I got on the scale, I weighed, and we dealt with it, you know? But you, sometimes you have to have people that you trust enough to say that to you and uh, and that can say that to you. And uh, and honestly, when they're not that way to you, you're not as good. And uh, so, you know, I think that stuff's really important. I think uh, having a team is really important. I think that, you know, taking yourself seriously is super important. Yeah. Uh, uh, you mentioned the hardest part being at night. Um, yeah. was when everybody falls asleep yeah. and I'm by myself and I'm bored, nine to midnight, that's the time where I'm I think there's I'm, people listening right now they're like yep that's me i struggle uh what what did you have you been able to replace it with anything healthier like did it used to be like cereal and now it or ice cream yeah. and now it's something different it's frozen yogurt or something that just has less calories or how you're handling that or yeah i mean it? like right now i'm handling it pretty shitty but you know, when i'm handling it right you know yeah you have another planned meal there you know you it's hard a, just when we talk about eat, you know having low-fat cottage cheese or right. having some fresh fruit or you know, I really started to like to snack on like one cup of uh, frozen fruit that you use for a smoothie. Mm. It's kind of satisfying, you know. Yeah. Or like when I fit in my macros, I'm like, well, I'll put the Halo Top in first, you know, and that's a good snack. Things like watermelon, popcorn, yeah. like watermelon, just you can eat a lot of it, right. and it just has hardly any calories. Right. Popcorn doesn't have a lot. Right. Um, I don't, you know, I don't eat, I don't eat 
that same way because I basically just eat meat. But right. you know, if you're counting your calories, you you know, a good way to right. you try to find fillers that still taste good. Like you right. could eat vegetables, but it's like who wants to yeah. reach in and just only eat vegetables? Right. That wouldn't be that fun, right? So I mean, just planning and being prepared and like actually tracking. If I track a day, then I'm successful. If I don't track a day, then I'm not. And I actually learned that. Um, gosh. Who is he podcasting with? I don't remember. I listened to a podcast uh, with uh, Vince DeCenzo. Did you talk to Vince? Yeah, Vince. Yeah, it was yeah. your podcast with Vince, and I actually reached out to him. And that was the week that I contacted that Steffi. Like he been six hundred pounds before it was cool by far. And uh, you know what? Your podcast with him was really helpful to me. I was in the car listening to that out of town, and uh, he taught me a lot of things about long term weight loss because he still he has to track today, All right? And if he doesn't, it's nine years later. And that just told me that, like, hey, I'm I've not near the discipline I have to have, and uh, and he back made to what me you said in the beginning, the long game, you know, yeah, back to what you said in the beginning. It's not a diet, yeah, it's a permanent, yeah, this is a permanent change, and uh, you're going to try to always make a better choice as much and whenever possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for me, what that looks like is just being prepared, and if I'm prepared, then I can be successful. If I'm not prepared, I'm going to either not eat, and then when I do, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, I'm just going to be slamming whatever I feel like, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I like good food. I'm a good cook. Like I enjoy those mm. things, but I don't have a lot of time, you know? And, uh, so timing's important. So, um, you know, we had a meal prep company that we worked with for a while and that kind of, they went under by choice and, and, um, you know, that was a lot nicer for me. Like I was way easier to deal with. Um, and I'm kind of working on that right now too. Yeah, the calories are right there on the package. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the best thing that I ever did, the thing that was most consistent for me was I had a meal prep company make me hotel pans of food, like a whole pan of chicken, whole pan of steak or beef, whole pan of rice. And you can seasoned. mix it in with others. I had to measure every day. Ah. So I would measure that I've weighed it on the food scale every day. And that was my part of taking a part in it. Cause heating something up doesn't really teach you any discipline. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty easy. Um, but scooping it and doing it all yourself, like, and I can do that kind of meal prep too for myself. I've been doing that too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that consistency is important. Um, and then if you are going to take a little time where you're not like being so strict with yourself, you can't backslide hard. Like you have to stay within, like, I'm like, okay, I can go up 10 pounds because for me I can so that's the rule tomorrow. you can you can gain 10 pounds but yeah. nothing over that and yeah, you got to yeah. get back on yeah and uh and I haven't honestly like I don't know what my body looks like when I'm thinner like I feel pr- better about it now than I did a year ago mm. but now I'm excited to see what that next thing looks like what's 300 look like on me and I realized pretty quick from like other parents and how they talk or look at you like I was a way bigger freak at 320 with veins than I was at 400 with you know, big traps, but I was yeah, gonna, as fuck. People yeah. are going to think you're more muscular. Yeah, exactly. I look bigger as I get smaller, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't realize that uh, last time I was about this lean, I was like 275. Wow. And uh, so that means I probably put on 50 pounds of muscle in 10 years. Shit. You know? That ain't you know, bad. Probably probably more like 40 or 30, but right. uh, but still, like, that's a, we talk about, Ryan and I talk about gaining weight all the time. That shit's hard mm-hmm. to gain lean mass. And, and, you know, we always tell people that they have to, Gain weight and then cut. Gain weight and then cut. Gain, there's no other way to gain mass. And uh, I just did that for 10 years. <laughs> you know, or more like 20. So, yeah. yeah. You know, one thing I think uh, people can really take away from what you said is you mentioned it, but that journaling aspect, yeah. um, it makes a really, really big difference. Like, I don't journal for dieting, but getting stuff out onto mm-hmm. paper just like clears my mind for a lot of things that yeah. I want to do. And I can understand if you have like uh, anxiety towards the scale, writing that down, writing about how you feel like that's, that's awesome that you're doing that. Cause it's not something I hear people talk Most about. Most people that need help in this area are scared of it. 
you know i was scared that i was unhealthy i was scared that i might have had a hurt liver from drinking i was scared of a lot of things and um, being able to deal with your fears is a really powerful thing and if you can deal with it every single day then it makes it easier to make good decisions the rest of the day because you're not scared all day making decisions out of fear is a rough place to live and i think people do that every single day all the time and i just wasn't willing to be that way um you know one thing that i will say that is really cool that i hope to get more of in my own head is as i lose weight i become more proud of how hard i worked the last 20 years so i started lifting weights at 12 and i've been fat ever since then i've never really been proud of how i looked ever since then and uh, i think that that's a really cool thing to start to gain at 35 and a confidence to get because i was always really proud of what my body could do i could jump and run and like you know do some pretty special things with my body up to this point and uh i never really appreciated the hard work that went into that because it came to me pretty easy weightlifting is very easy for me and uh like i took three and a half months off of benching then floor pressed 545 for a two inch <laughs> board you know it's like it's like, that part's easy you know yeah. um but when it comes to like actually you know doing that and having more discipline that's what i haven't been great at like anything that took natural talent oh, sure let's line it up but uh anything that i really really had to work for now i'm way more proud of that kind of thing nice. so that's that's the kind of achievement that feels really good for me right now you know the uh because you mentioned it a few times the drinking yeah. um how how was that affecting you and then because a lot of listeners are probably wondering how they can kick that that's a difficult one so you know drinking was interesting because you know the definition of alcoholic is somebody who lets drinking interfere with their life like their day-to-day life and i don't think it ever did that for me like i don't think my family ever really was worried you know but they also didn't know that it was the volume like like fifth you know you're 400 pounds you can drink a lot especially if you have a tolerance and so the volume was big and then that also comes along with three coke zeros to have caffeine you know, so you're staying up later. And I wasn't doing it to taste it. I was doing it to catch a buzz. And so that means that if you start at 9, then you're going to 1, you know, sometimes and not sleeping as much. So that affected me. Um, that would make your stress harder. It's another way to cope and deal and not handle with your fears, yeah. which I think digs in you. Um, you know, I actually had pain in my abdomen, and I thought that I was hurt. But I think it was just from stress because I was treating myself bad, you know. And uh, stopped drinking, it went away. Lost weight, I stopped getting numbness in my hands. Um, you know, your body just starts to function so much better once you take away all that distraction and noise. Um, you know, drinking, you wake up, you feel shitty every day. You know, um, removing that's been a big deal. You know, and I can still drink. Like, I, like if we went out tonight, which we might, like, I mean, I'm going to have a good time, and, and I will, and I can mentally do that and be okay with it because I haven't done that for a couple months, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, so for me now, like I can have a bottle of nice liquor on my shelf for months and months. And that's great to be able to do that. You know, I never was controlled by it in that way. I don't think ever. Um, but you know, that also costs a lot of money. It's not fair to your family in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but to kick it, like I, was, I just had to get scared enough. I never did anything else to kick it. I just stopped having it in the house and then it went away. Um, you know, my parents didn't ever drink when I was a kid. So it was, it was something where I didn't even try alcohol much, like maybe three times before I was 21. And, uh, cause I was like, scared of my dad. Yeah, he worked yeah. in law enforcement. And, uh, so, you know, for me, it was just a discipline thing and, uh, not doing that probably made it easier to start losing weight too. Mm-hmm. So. So you said it was out of your house. I'm guessing like in terms of your food too, like you cleaned up your diet, but you have a lot of shit food that's not in the house too right now. Right. Uh, so our house is pretty clean as far as food goes, but. Yeah. I mean, I can still 
oh, there's tortillas here? <laughs> well, that's going to turn into a peanut butter tortilla with some my kid's cereal smashed into it with a banana. And then now we're looking at a 700-calorie problem, you know? <laughs> So Ryan asked the other day if somebody was supposed to eat two and a half tablespoons of peanut butter, would it really be three? Oh yeah, no one would ever. Yeah, no one would ever eat that. And I said a year ago it would have been three three tablespoon servings of peanut butter. (laughs) (laughs) That's how that works. Mm -hmm. So uh, pretty extra large scoop, right? Yeah, Yeah. and I mean, like you know, it's got to be a lot of stealing your kids' candy. It's got to be a lot of stealing their stuff. And my kids eat pretty darn healthy, but they've got some granola bars and. Oh, my. It's our shot clock. Mm-mm. Smokey's having some trouble over there. Yeah, he is. Just uh, kind of wrapping things up, you know, I think it's important that people understand that anxiety is a fear of something that hasn't happened. Yeah. So just uh, anybody who's got it, just try to think about that. It's fear of something that hasn't happened. It, and it, it might not right. even ever happen. Like yeah. the likelihood that it will happen is actually probably fairly low. You know, I find that people that actually have real problems and responsibilities don't have much anxiety. Um, I've never felt a lot of anxiety about those things. Maybe fear, yeah, but not not that thing where I can't do anything. I'm always willing to work on it. Right. And uh, what I've found, you know, is, look, I've got a business and two kids, and and I've got real problems, and I don't have time for anxiety. I don't have time to sit and think about how scared I am of living every day. Like, that's not right. that's not something I'm concerned with, and... And that's why, you know, with the people at the gym that, like, get anxiety in the gym, I'll be honest, that wears me out because that's, like, a place where I'm so happy and free. (laughs) And I'm like, that's what I want it to be for them, too. And for people that have anxiety in that space, I really want to help them because, you know, you can use – so I had a client that recently messaged me and said, hey, uh, you know, I had a really tough time hitting my numbers today. And uh, it's, like, my roughest week of work of the year. It's, you know, this and this and these outside factors and this and this and this. And I'm, I'm think I was really nice in that moment, really gracious. I'm like, hey, I totally understand. Like, you know, and they're not like, but what you said's bullshit. So the honest to God truth is, you know, I saw a post of a guy last night whose dad died yesterday, and, oh, he, shit. and he went and deadlifted yesterday. Hmm. And I just posted to him. I said, you know, sometimes you need to do something for yourself when all you feel is pity. You know, and you need to do something for yourself, you know, to get yourself out of that. Don't let this be a negative thing. Let it be a positive. You know, you can choose how you want those things to affect your life. And I choose to have it be a good thing. And uh, so it really it really kind of hurts my feelings when people can't use it that way. And I want to help them right. because this is the last place you should ever have anxiety or yeah. feelings of not belonging. We had a first time lifter ever come in last week and after a half hour of working out next to me and you know, whatever else and whoever else in the room and she can't do a, a body weight squat effectively. Mm-hmm. She told me afterwards that she felt like she belonged somewhere. Oh, that's great. And that made me feel really good. You know, those are the kind of people that we need to, that we need to have there and that yeah. we need to affect. And then everybody else needs to learn from their example, you know? Mm-hmm. So awesome. Andrew, where can people find you and at, stuff on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Uh, at I am Andrew Z on Instagram. Make sure you guys are following the podcast at Mark Bell's power project at MB power project on TikTok and Twitter. TikTok's been blown up. It's been pretty fun. Um, and Seema, where are you at? At Nsima Yin Yang on Instagram and YouTube. At Nsima Yin Yang on TikTok and Twitter. Where can people find you, JP? At JP Lifts underscore SBC and Strong Barbell Club, both on Instagram. I really don't use anything else. Instagram feels good and feels nice and mm-hmm. positive, so I like to stay in that space. Um, you know, and... Uh, 
people want to come check out your gym? My gym is in North Kansas City in the greater Kansas City, Missouri. It's right next to downtown. It's a, it's a great place. You know, I had a great experience of uh, somebody uh, came in one day. He's a former Marine, and he was living in Tahoe, and he moved to Kansas City. And uh, he said, yeah, no, it was great because when I found out I was moving to Kansas City, I saw you on Mark Bell's podcast, and I've been excited to be at your gym ever since. And uh, cool. it's a gift that keeps on giving, you know. And uh, I thought it was funny. One day a guy messaged me that he found out about me through charity posting about me. And uh, and I was like, you haven't tried to, like, buy any feet pics or anything, have you? <laughs> I got to make sure that you're normal. <laughs> and uh, so, but it's just funny how this world works out. So I really appreciate, you know you know, the exposure that this gives people like me. And if anybody ever wants to be a part of my business or talk to me about coaching, then I'm there for that. The best way to get a hold of me always is through Instagram. I'm incredibly responsive. So please, uh, please feel free to reach out. Awesome, man. Always fun to have you on the show. Appreciate yeah, it. Always I'm excited good. for the seminar tonight. Yeah, that, that should be a lot of fun. I'm at Mark Smelly Bell. Strength is never a weakness. Weakness is never a strength. Catch you all later. I told you guys to wait around for the very end. Uh, again, apologies if you got a, a weak stomach. Uh, you're welcome. If I mean, it doesn't matter. You're welcome. Uh, JP Price is amazing. Love that guy. So glad we were able to hook up with him down at the Not Arnold. I'm going to stop calling it that, but we'll just call it the Arnold. I wanted to give a huge shout out and thank you to everybody that's been rating and reviewing the podcast. Um, You know, it it takes like 30 to 90 seconds to, to write a review, but it does so much for the podcast. We spend so much time, you know, recording, filming, uh, you know, researching, trying to nail guests down. So, uh, we, we put as much as we can into it. If you guys want to give us a thank you for any of that, that's really all it takes is just head over to iTunes and drop us a review. Uh, we want to give a super big shout out to the amazing strong man, Stan. Uh, Stan says the best podcast, quote, entertaining and educational. I followed Mark for many years and the information he and his crew put out is second to none, not just about powerlifting, but everything fitness related. You won't find a, you won't find better guests or information anywhere else. Uh, Stan, thank you so much, dude. Um, strongman Stan, I should say, uh, th- seriously though, do that. That helps us out so much. I can't thank you enough. If you guys listening right now, if you want to hear your name and your review read on air, please head over to iTunes right now, leave a rating and a review, and you could hear your name on air just like the amazing strongman Stan. Catch you guys later.